This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very happy to have you guys along with us for this wonderful Liquor Week. And Dad, what are we doing this week on our Liquor Week? Oh, Josh, is it time for a nightcap? Do we have enough time? I think it is the perfect time for a nightcap. So, what I'm doing is amaretto. And I've got snacks that are walnuts. And I made an amaretto almond brie. And I also have apricot raspberry cookies. That sounds absolutely delicious. And I will be doing one of my favorite night drinks and it's actually can go either way it's called bonal and for my snacks i did kind of a dessert cheese board i have a casaggio robusto cheese i have some goat cheese i have the wonderful oh my gosh i just blinked on its name why can't i think of that cheese's name right now you'll think of it later I also have some pears, I have some peaches, I have some chocolate with some honeycomb in it, and then I have some honey that was brought to me and given to me through my good friends Kevin and Renee that I had and just absolutely fell in love with. And then I've got another cheese and I can't remember the name of it, but it's one of my favorite cheeses that's out there and uh, we'll talk about it as we get into it. Okay. But before we get started... We've got to talk about our blind from last week. Oh, goodness. Last Let's week. We, we were doing lawnmower and bears. We were. And I did the infamous MGD. And you did the. Well, we're not talking about down. what we did. We're I talking about know. what you thought the blind was. Oh, that's right. What did I think it was? Let's see. I was tasting it. And I was getting some orange peel. So I thought it was that beer called Shock. Or something like that. So, what was it actually, Josh? So, I did something kind of, I guess you could say, interesting. And it shows us that our taste buds are can be very influenced by what we see. Because I blinded you on Miller Genuine Draft. And I want the listeners to know that when, the, when he finished, when we finished and we, we hit the stop button, he takes the MGB. He pours it in my blind glass, and I'm thinking, what's he doing? And then he goes, <laughs> and, I, and I said, there it was. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, that was the blind. Oh, man. So it was a, it was a very interesting thing because now you can kind of see that sometimes your eyes can trick you with what you're, what's going on in the glass. But I'm very excited to continue on with this week because we're doing nightcap drinks, thing, drinks we like to have after dinner toward the end of the evening. And we're going to start with mine. We're going to start with Bonal. Bonal is a quinine liqueur, so it's actually a bitter. It's a considered a bitter drink. Okay. And it comes out of France, and my snacks that I have to go along with it are I've got the Casiaggio Robusto cheese. I've got a good fresh goat cheese. I have Humboldt Fog. Though I don't know why I couldn't remember Humboldt Fog. That funky, lovely, ash-aged goat cheese that I absolutely love. I have some chocolate with honeycomb in it. I have some peaches and pears and a little bit of honey. And so this is kind of the idea of a, a cheese board. A lot of times in Europe, when you finish a meal, rather than eating something sweet, they'll go for cheeses. So this is kind of my homage to that with Bonal. Okay. 
Okay, I was wondering because I was thinking, okay, this is a nightcap. Josh must have not had dinner because <laughs> he's really piling the food on. Well, and bonal can be either. It's on a, I think it's technically considered an aperitif, but it also, to me, I really enjoy it after the meal. So go ahead and start getting into it, Dad, and tell us what you're smelling and tasting. Well, the smelling is very, it's a very sweet smell. Now, it's, you know, the amaretto's got a sweet smell, but this is, is more a, um, like a port wine sweet smell. At least for me it is. Okay. And then it's, it's pretty close to the same color as the amaretto, and both of the, the drinks are a tan, kind of a deep tan, deep brown, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're very similar in color. Neither one of them have any effervescence going on, but I you can look at yours. You can't read through it, but if you look at it, you get a clearness out toward the edge of the glass. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that clearness that we talk about. And there's, you know, I get some fruit. And I'm trying, trying to figure out what the fruit might be. So, while you're ta- while you're going ahead and smelling and tasting it, a little bit about Bonal. Bonal, like I said, is a French liqueur, so it is going to be a little bit sweeter. It's a liqueur that was popular with Frenchmen and or French sportsmen back in the mid 1800s, and it was actually one of the first sponsors of the Tour de France. Oh, really? So they've been around for a long time. And this liqueur is called a, I'm going to probably butch this, is a queena, a queen queena. Queen queen. A queen queena. It's also the same thing as in Italian. Sometimes you'll also hear it called a quinado. Okay. These liqueurs use the bark of a particular tree called the queena or the quina tree. And it come and they use that, and it's kind of got a medicinal taste to it. It definitely does. And I, I snuck a taste while you weren't looking. Quina and quinol are also one of the ingredients that come in tonic. Yeah, quinine. Right. So it uses those the barks with wine to come up with this style of drink. So maybe the sweetness and the smell, the aroma. I'm getting a lot of floral, but I'm getting, um, it's almost a bitter smell. Mm -hmm. And then when I get the taste, there's definitely a sharp bitterness to it. Yeah. I'm surprised you like that. I do. I think the sweetness kind of helps me with it a lot. This is in the same league as things like Cochiburlo Quinado, Barra, or, um, Cap Corset, like all these, and these are very Southern French, Northern Italian kind of drinks because that's where they can find this tree and they use it as not only flavoring, but it also brings a little bit of sweet, okay. kind of a sugar alternative. Now but, this, this bark and the taste is completely different than a Campari because Campari uses the bark. For that bitterness. Really? I thought it uses citrus rind. Well, it does that too, but I think there's there's a bark that they use, and uh, maybe on a future episode we'll have to talk about that. But they're both, you know, this bitterness 
is a completely different type of bitterness than the Campari or the Aperol. Yeah. So it can be, you know, it can be used as a, in cocktails, it can be used done sweet. You can use it in place of places where you would use bitters or some sort of liqueur bitter. It could even be in place of sweet vermouth. Oh, okay. Because it does have some of those floral aspects like you're talking about. But it's it's really good. I I really like it. And I've had it first with these, the Casiaggio, which is a robust, nutty, semi-firm cheese from um, the Netherlands. And it goes really well. That nuttiness kind of cuts through with the sweetness. And I think it's really good. I'm trying that cheese right now, so <laughs> I'll, I'll see if I agree with it. So I kind of did this as, like I said earlier, kind of as the homage to the the European cheese ending of the night. So a lot of times, even in large course meals, you'll get to a point where they tw- they turn back to a little bit more savory style stuff to finish the night okay. rather than going to sweet. And I think that okay. this, this liqueur is going to go very, very well with all this kind of stuff because it has that play of the bitter with the sweet and the herbalness, the herbaceousness that's going on with it as well. And it's got a lovely velvety texture. It's very, very coating, very, but it's not a heavy coating. It's really light coating on your palate. So you use the word velvety and I was going to say silky because it's, it's very smooth mm-hmm. on your palate. And with that cheese, what what's it called? The Casaggio. Casaggio. That Casaggio cheese, as you said, yes, it's nutty, but it cuts right through that bitterness for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've got that bitterness, and it's a really sharp, uh, abrupt, hello, I'm bitter. And then you... <laughs> You take that cheese, and it's like, hey, I'm back here, I'm bitter. <laughs> yeah, it, it really just kind of goes away. Not totally, but to a much lesser degree. Yeah. So that cheese and the drink, they are opposites in a way. And so, you know, it creates a whole new flavor because that bitterness goes away. And then you get more of that silkiness. And more of the, if you will, the wine flavor. Yeah. A little bit more of that underlying tone. And, you know, that's one of the things. So you talked about how this is very bitter. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I like in a true nightcap, like a true, I'm at the bar, my last drink before I go home, I'm not overly drunk. I just want something like I've had a nice pace tonight and I just want that one kind of last thing. Or if I've been doing a big meal Mm -hmm. and I just kind of want that one last thing to take me, take me through until I'm, until I'm at home and going to bed for the evening, this drink makes me drink it slow. Yeah. So I have to take the time to enjoy it and sip it Mm -hmm. when I drink it straight. And I like I agree. I agree. And it does some, it does kind of settle a little bit with that bitterness kind of just lets you go. Now, it is it, technically it's an aperitif. So, aperitifs are made to kind of wake up your digestive system, mm-hmm. keep it going. And like I said, I personally like to drink this at the end of the evening because it 
kind of does that nice finishing thing will continue my digestive system to take care of the big stuff that I've just done. Right. You know, I look the web about amaretto and aperitif comes up more often, but it also shows that it's a night drink as well. So I think a lot of these that are quote aperitifs, if you want to, if you want to try it at night and drink it at night, I don't think there's a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're breaking any rules <laughs> to speak of. Now, the, I haven't tried the Humboldt, have you? I haven't gotten the Humboldt yet, no. I'm currently on the pear. Oh, A little okay. underripe. So, when have you had, what was kind of some of your first experiences with nightcaps and these style of beverages? So, it's not really something I do at home or even out we don't go to the bars much at all you know we didn't go that much with COVID anyway or before COVID and especially with COVID but what I find is I did a lot of travel in my past life and you get on that unfortunately for the Kansas City Company when they flew us around the world to Bangkok or to China, wherever it was on the other side of the world, they always put us, it wasn't first class, but it was the business class. And so they would, business class back then, I don't know, you know, things have changed an awful lot because of COVID. But back then, you'd have a, a really good meal and you could have your wine or you'd have your liquor, whatever you wanted to go with that meal. But typically later, after everybody's finished their meal, they'll bring out the port. Yep. And so that's my main experience, is they would bring out the port, the cheeses, the grapes, and maybe some fruit. I mean, typically it was either cheese or grapes, and not so much a pear. I guess every once in a while there was chocolate, and I always went to for the chocolate if they brought it out, but they typically didn't. It was mostly cheese or grapes, whether it was a white grape or a purple grape. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, you could get some pretty good ports, actually. Yeah. I don't know that we've done a port episode. That we have not. We probably need. We have not, yep. So maybe after I get back from my assignment, we can look at doing doing ports and so, and that was usually just on the plane, right? Right. But then, then I, we would stay in these five-star hotels. So, based on that, you know, I couldn't sleep. You know, you get that jet lag, and so you can't sleep. So, you're going to, what are you going to do? Sit in your room and look at the four walls, or are you going to go down to the bar if it's still open? Yeah. And if I'm going down to the bar and it's still open, typically it's a nightcap and it would probably be port because I wasn't very experienced of what to pick. Okay. Now, anything more recently in your travels when you guys go anywhere? Do you try and see what the kind of local nightcap is or you just kind of go for what you know? Not really. I mean, uh, you know, like we go to St. Martin or we go to Cabo or we go like we did to Italy and you know, we keep typically Cabo and St. Martin, we're just kind of hanging out on the beach and we'll go have dinner. And it's like, by the time you finish dinner, it's like, oh, let's go to bed. <laughs> and then if we, 
for like when we went to Italy, it's like we've kept such a busy day. Yeah. But it's like when we get back, um, well, you know, when we went to Castel Pace, that's where I, I had that Novino and we had the grappa. And so those, I think, count. Mm-hmm. And, and I, would, I would recommend those. But I do, you know, I'll talk about the amaretto for mine later. But, you know, it's, it's not something that uh, happens every night. Right. And I mean, usually you, if you're at home and you're going to have an after dinner drink, it's usually a, a scotch. Of some yeah, sort, it's going to be usually. a cocktail. Yeah. A cocktail or just a scotch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be something along those lines. No, typically it's just a scotch. Okay. So I've been eating, I've been kind of eating along and you've been talking and there are some really, there's some really fun stuff going on this plate with this beverage because it's so... There are so many different aspects to this beverage, and they all work well together. And each little bit of the food picks up on something else, okay, and does something with it. So one of the so the pear to me, the pear wasn't good by itself. The pear really left things kind of bitter. But if you dip the pear in a little bit of honey, oh okay. If you dip the pear in a little bit of honey and you get that sweetness to come through. It would bring out some more, it would bring out a lot of that medicinal quality, but it wouldn't be in a bad way. It would highlight kind of more of that earthiness of it. But the yeah, pear by this, itself this is just the, not good. Well, the pear by itself, I love pears, but it's not something we eat anymore. Because it's hard to really get a, pear, a good pear at a grocery store anymore. Mm-hmm. Next door neighbor has a pear tree, but those aren't the edible kind. <laughs> so same yeah. same problem, but this pear, it's a good pear. So don't get Josh wrong. It's a good pear, but it's pears are sort of blah. And this pear and, is not fully. It's it's a Bosque pear, and it's not quite fully ripe yet either. That's that's uh, that's what I was going to say. But and also what happens is the drink vaporizes the pear. In mine. Yeah. It just, I got the pear in my mouth. I put the drink in my mouth. Where'd the pear go? You know, the, there's not enough flavor in the pear to compete with the bonal. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. Yeah. Now, the goat cheese, that acidity of the goat cheese races through and takes out all the sweetness of the drink. And just leaves that light, earthy flavor. Mm-hmm. It even kicks out a lot of that bitterness, too. Mm-hmm. The peach does the same thing with the sweetness and leaves just kind of this beautiful, beautiful kind of light, earthy flavor. Oh, so good. I've never done this before with Bonal because the only time I've ever had it is just at night, just by itself. This is really, really good. Right, right, right. So for me, when so the so the so you the, had the pear and what you said, well, basically what I said. What did you say about the peach? So that the peach you, sweetness. You, you try it, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk a little bit, and then you can tell us what you think. Okay. So my experience with nightcaps and like these ending really started when I started getting into preparation for sommelier exam, 
because that was a lot of times when I learned the flow of a meal and the purpose of these different aperitifs and digestivos. And one of the things that I would do is back when at a bar called 109 in Co. Uh, when it first was kind of opening, they had a lot of these liqueurs and I would start trying stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would usually get a little taste, you know, because I would know the bartenders and I'd ask for them. And that was where I found this. And it just kind of is spiled from there. So this is like doing that kind of stuff is where I found about Bonal. Calvados and a lot of other of these little sometimes niche stuff that I kind of know about is just because I started asking the bartender. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's really, really good and they're very, very versatile. So, what did you think of the peach? I think it did what you said, but what it did was it took away all the sweetness of the drink and it left that bitterness. So, that's a fun pairing to taste something and then taste the drink, whatever the drink might be, and something went away within the drink. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Same thing with the goat cheese. You know, that acidity, you know, it just did this, some of the same thing. And like we said about the, about the first cheese, it disappeared that that bitterness now i haven't tried the the humboldt so the humboldt fog for it's it's, it's a type of goat cheese it, it is a goat it is a goat cheese ash in it. so it's an ash aged goat cheese for those of you who may not know or may not remember and it's aged so it's there's a line of ash running through the middle of it it's covered and it's rind. it's got a rind on it and it's aged and what it does is you get two different types of this goat cheese going on in one mm-hmm. because you get right around the outside, you get this kind of liquefied, funky, funky goat cheese. And in the middle, you still have more of a fresh style goat cheese, but with that little bit of ash running through it, you get a little bit of extra earthiness. And I'll tell you this, if you get some of just some of that funk, that really, really funky uh Ash. liquefied goat cheese yeah. it does not really work with this it kind of takes over and you kind of uh, to me i it took over and i lost everything in the drink i saw that too but the other part of the of the humboldt or the goat cheese itself made that to me made that bitterness go away which i <laughs> i think that's fun mm-hmm. i'm not i'm trying to decide if i really like this drink it's a puzzler and, and well, you know, I like Campari. I like, you know, I like a Negroni, and and I, it's it's bitter. So I should like this drink, but I'm I'm. But it's a different. But it's, but it's total. Yeah, it's totally different because it's it's uh, wine based. Well, and the bitterness is different. Oh, the bitterness is extremely different because the bitterness of a Campari or a Aperol or something like that is citrus based. Mm-hmm. This is not citrus based. Mm-hmm. it's you know it's more medicinal and it actually and you know looking back at some of the history of this beverage it was started as a medicinal drink which mm-hmm. a lot of the quinine bark based stuff was is it was started as a as a medicinal beverage so does it have a history of trying to stop malaria uh, they did not say anything about that 
Well, that's a lot of what quinine, if I remember right, that's what a lot of, about quinine was. That's why the British were having their gin and tonics when they were in those jungle areas of their empire because they didn't want to get malaria. Mm. And the the tonic had the quinine in it. Mm-hmm. This is good. I, I think I like it. Oh, man. So, now the chocolate. Well, the chocolate has a high enough bitterness to it that it, it's not real sweet. So there wasn't a fight between the sweetness of the chocolate and the sweetness of the drink. But there was a fight, if you call it that, between the bitterness of the chocolate and the bitterness of the drink. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, the bitterness of the chocolate actually won out. Yeah. It's a completely different bitterness. And I I think I'll have to try a Campari with this chocolate to yeah. see how that worked. Because the different bitterness, they might have just added together in that case. Yeah. It was like the bitterness of the chocolate was there, but you still had the, the, the flavors of the underlying mm-hmm. liqueur, which made a... Made it really good. Now, what's the ABV of this? Probably in that 20 range, like all the... It's not a liqueur. It, it is a liqueur. Well, technically it's Technically not. it's a vermouth. Yes. But it's... I would say it's very... It's closer to a liqueur for what people drink. Uh, it's 14. 14? Or 16. 16. Okay, so it's... it's Yeah, so it's it's based on... We're using the wine, and then however they make it, the bark, mm-hmm. uh, to get it to whatever it is. So, yeah, so it's almost the same as like a wine, as opposed to like Amaretto, it's 20, 21%, mm-hmm. and Salerno and, and Grand Marnier, they're in that range too. This was fun, yeah. This- Really good. Yeah, so, uh, also, the Humboldt Fog with this honey is really good, too. Oh, I would think so. Bringing in some of that sweetness, but still having the funkiness to it. Very delicious. Now, t- tell me again where you got the honey. You, you named some So, people. Kevin and Renee gave me the honey. If I'm not mistaken, it was one of their... It's from the town that one of their parents are from mm-hmm. and they had it at a baby shower and oh. I went gaga over it. I like, guess okay. so good. And then they brought me a, a whole big jar of it and it's wild. It's just wildflower honey oh, Okay, from up in the Illinois area. So do, they don't raise the bees. They don't have beehives. I don't believe. No, they don't. They just know who has it. Yeah. It's just local to around them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, this is good. You got some more story on it? <laughs> I really don't. I mean, like I said, I just, I found it because I tried it once. And it just comes back to talking to bartenders. And the bartender was the one who kind of told me about it. And I thought it was going to be good. So I decided to try it. And I love it. You know, the more I've eaten the cheese and the pear and the peach, I don't get that bitterness that just slammed me in the face to begin with. Yeah. 
and we've talked about how it's gone away, but I know it's still in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just my taste buds somehow forgot about it or something. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're ready to move on to your nightcap, Dad. Remind us of what your nightcap is and what your pairings are. Okay, so the nightcap itself is amaretto. And my pairings, I have walnuts. I have a amaretto almond brie. And I'll explain how I made that in a minute. And then apricot raspberry cookies. So I, uh, I like the amaretto because I like a drink. And we talked about this drink on one of the cocktail episodes called The Godfather. And I can talk later about amaretto cocktails, but this particular one that I really like, because it's scotch-based, is a uh, jigger of scotch. That's one and a half ounces, and then a half an ounce of amaretto. And you move that amaretto up or down, depending on your taste. So that's kind of where I got started on amaretto. Now... There's a couple stories about how Amaretto was created. There is a story that says the Lazzarano family in Italy in 1851, they had been making Amaretto cookies. Now, how they made the Amaretto cookies, it's not here on this on the story, but they found that there was a a big market for the liqueur. So basically they took the cookies. It doesn't say what they used as a liquor, but I suspect it was brandy. And that's how they made amaretto, the liqueur. Right. The other story, and I like this one better, was in 1525, uh, there was a Renaissance painter and his name was Bernardo Luna. And he was commissioned to create a painting of the Madonna. And he found a model and a young widow who was an innkeeper. And she ended up maybe being his wife. <laughs> but this fair woman gave the painter a gift of apricot kernels soaked in brandy. Well. There we have it. That's Amaretto. And so that was in 1525. I kind of like that one better because it's kind of got the love story with it. Yeah. So Amaretto, um, and I I looked up, and I said kernels just a minute ago, and I looked up, what are the kernels? Well, there, you know, you got an apricot, and then you got that pit. Well, inside the pit is, quote, the kernel, which is really the apricot seed. Okay. And that's what they were, what she was grinding up to use as, as the base with that brandy. Okay. And that's probably what they were grinding up. Right. To make the, the cookies. The, I suppose the so. I mean, you know, it didn't say how they made the cookies. So... What I what I decided to do as far as the sides, I thought, well, this is nutty, and and you get some almond 
nuttiness with amaretto, but there's no almonds in it. So I thought, well, I like walnuts. Let's try some walnuts with the amaretto. And then I found a recipe, and it's an actual amaretto brie recipe, and it's brown sugar, some of the amaretto, and then some almonds. And you put that on top of the brie, and you microwave. We could have done it in the oven, but I just microwaved it for about a minute. And makes that nice funk, that good brie taste. And I see you over there trying it. What do you think? I got a mouthful. You got a mouthful? Well, uh, I haven't tried anything yet. And then when I went to the grocery store, I wanted to get apricot cookies. Well, the cookies that I found were apricot raspberry. Yeah. So I think they'll go well too. So this is a so this is a definitely a liqueur. It is sweet. Yes. It does have that almond so almondy in the sense of like almond extract, almondy flavor with a little bit of that extra kind of like stone fruity apricotiness. But it's definitely nut kind of more of that nut driven type of flavor. And it's it's good, you know. Like I said, it's super sweet. And the almond or the walnuts go with it because the walnut is kind of a little bit of a meteor neutral nut, more earthy too. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes in, it kind of blends with that, brings down the sweetness a little bit. So I think a lot of people will drink the amaretto with the cocktail. You could put it in your coffee, you could put it. I saw one place where it said, well, when you're making pancakes, <laughs> I mean, you're going to use vanilla sometimes with your pancakes or your or your uh, French toast, mm-hmm. but you could try this. I don't well, know why you couldn't. Well, you know, Amaretto has a, is a legend in the, you know, 50s, 60s era cocktail world with the Amaretto Sour. Yes. It was one of the major egg white cocktails of the era. And it was one of the first that moved, you know, a lot of people don't know that it's an egg white cocktail. They just know it as amaretto and sweet and sour mix. Right. With a cherry. And it comes out this god awful green color. The with the sweet and sour mix, it comes out this like oh with the greenish sweet. brown oh yeah with a bright red cherry in it. Okay, yeah, it does. But you could you could do it more traditional, and and uh, you know mix a bourbon or whatever for your sweet and sour bourbon. What are well, you talking about? I mean, you, your it, sweet and sour is simple syrup and citrus juice. I know, but. I think this amaretto can go with any brown liquor. Is my point. Okay. And so you could you could do that. Um, it's just like I did the scotch and the amaretto. I think you can do brand or uh, bourbon. Yeah. And it's a brandy base, so I think that's part of that sweetness that you get. I like. There's a whole. There's a page here of like twenty five different different cocktails that you can use for your amaretto 
So the so the way I I would do this as a a after dinner drink, and that's the one thing I was saying a while ago is that you know it's primarily an aperitif, but if you want to use it after dinner, why not? And if you want to have have some snacks with it like we have today, why not? Or if you want to just have a nice cool down. Uh, sit in your <laughs> lazy boy chair and have a little sip. Why not do this? It's not as fancy ne- necessarily as as your your drink, your bonar, because I think that's kind of fancy. What makes it fancy? Just that uh, from France and from the wine world, and it's kind of means it kind of senses to me it's more like a port. But it's got that bitterness. Okay. There's no bitterness whatsoever with this, right? No, it is not. It is sweet. Now, some <laughs> people say that it's got a little bitter almond, but I don't. I don't get it. I mean, it may have a flavor of bitter almond, but it is definitely not bitter. Did you try the brie yet? I have actually tried everything with it. Oh man, uh, <laughs> the brie's really good. So the the only the the Creaminess, the butteriness of the brie helps to kind of calm down a little bit of that, the amaretto. Now, tell me again about this syrup that's with the, that's with the brie. So, to make that brie, go buy your brie. And then the recipe is a quarter cup of brown sugar. It says a third of a cup of amaretto. And then a half a cup of the almonds. And that's to a 16-ounce brie. So this one's only about 8-ounce brie, so I cut it down. Okay. But that's a lot That's a lot of amaretto for that amount of brown sugar and yeah. almond. I mean, and it's sweet. Yeah. But it's good. You know, I, I think it, it complements what's going on with the amaretto quite well. Now, amaretto is not something that I usually go for personally. I'm not a huge, big almond fan. And that, so that flavor to me is not something that I seek out. Or that sweetness? No, the sweetness doesn't bother me. The sweetness doesn't bother me at all. It's just the flavor that goes along with it. Because, you know, I like, I love Salerno. I like this Bonal that's got a bunch of sweetness on it. Mm -hmm. I like, I like sweet stuff. It's just the, actual flavor that's coming along with the sweet is not something that I particularly gravitate toward. Oh, okay. So when did you first have amaretto? That's a real good question, John. Or what, what's your first memory of amaretto? Well, it was back in college. I think there was, I had some friends that they would pour it up straight and we'd drink it that way. Of course, they were pouring up everything you could think of straight. <laughs> <laughs> you guys weren't big amaretto sour people. No, not definitely not in college. I mean, to make a cocktail in college was extremely rare. Cheap wine was more <laughs> more cheap beer, more this beer. And amaretto, it's a good price. It's like thirteen, fourteen dollars for this is a seven fifty. I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
And there are a lot of brands of amaretto out there. Some are going to be a little bit less sweet as compared to this one. Some are going to have a little bit more almondy flavor versus the uh, which the apricot kind of flavor. So you really just need to kind of find them. Like I know Luxardo makes one. This one is by one a big a large conglomerate company. So there's a lot of them out there, and they're they can be used in like you said in lots of different cocktails. They can be drunk sweet. It can be neat. You know, I'd I'd be careful if you're making something with it to add more sweetness unless you've got a good bitter balance to it, right? Because it could get it could tip over in balance uh, fairly quickly. I saw too here that uh, you could use use it as a substitution to Oregon. Yeah, because Orgate or Orgate is a almond syrup. Right. So you're still going to get the sweetness. You're still going to get the almond flavor. You're just going to add a little bit more alcohol. And well, it's not the, it's not as viscous as the But the, te- the textures are to- totally different. The sweetness to me are totally different. It's just, yes, it's it's almond-based. Well, and that's what it's, it's giving you the flavor. Right. So it's a flavor substitute. Like they were saying, like you could substitute bone all where you see you know, sweet vermouth or some other things like that. And you're going to get a bittering aspect, but it's going to come across a very different way. Right, right. So, uh, Sazerac is the owner. Of this of this brand? Of this brand. Okay. Dale Amore. And they make Sambuca. They make raspberry. They make orange. They like limoncello. Well, I've never seen any of those in our in our market. I've only seen amaretto. I that I've never really I've, looked for them. I've never looked for them either. But they're you know they're a larger company. Now, did you have much amaretto when you were in in Italy? No. Well, I did. Well, I didn't have a lot, but I had one, and it's my infamous. Yeah, you my told, infamous story. I told it when we were had the God, yeah, you, the Godfather. You, you've told that story several times. It's real now, cool. but that was the best amaretto I've ever had. So, um, but you shot it. I yes, I did. So you don't even re- really know how good it was. Oh no, <laughs> it was that good. But now like, it was homemade, right? I believe they or, made a uh, restaurant. <laughs> made I would it. assume they made it in house, or they was some from somebody local on Sicily. But it was it was phenomenal. It was phenomenally good. It wasn't overly sweet. Had it had that the flavor that this have, but it was dialed back. It was more finesse. Not as sweet. Yeah, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't as sweet. But the flavor wasn't like you know. This is very like punch you in the face almond sweet. almond extract kind of flavor. No, I'm not talking about the sweetness. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the flavor. But the one that I had in Italy, the flavor of it was more refined. It mm-hmm. was drawn back. It wasn't just kind of overtly overtly in your face. It was there. You could definitely tell it was amaretto, but it was light. It wasn't as viscous as this. Now, you were in Florence? No, not for this story. We were in a town called Taormina, which is in Sicily. Oh, okay. So, see, we were nowhere near Sicily, and so the after dinners that we got 
mainly was grappa. Mm-hmm. And then we got home and and our owners of the Castle Apache had the Novino that one night. Mm-hmm. So it was never we never really had a presentation of Amaretto at all. I'm sure it was there. I mean, sure. Yeah. Now you tried the cookies? Mm-hmm. They're really good. They're kind of butter butter cookies. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're they work they go well with it. There's not really enough acidity anywhere to kind of cut through mm-hmm. the drink, but it's good. It works as a pairing. So I didn't I didn't know this, but the apricot kernels are used for cosmetics, medicine and oil. Not just not just making uh, amaretto. Yep. And it says the it, it's not real clear, but it says okay, it says uh something about the apricot kernel is the seed of the apricot which is located within the fruit's endiocap, which forms a hard shell around the seed called the pronara. It is known for containing I can't pronounce it. A poisonous compound. So that's kind of funny. Yeah. So that outside the kernel. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Would be the pit, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it's called A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-I-N. Yeah, but you know what they use it to make? No. Arsenic. Oh, I wow. believe it's arsenic. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> Let's just see. I believe that's where it comes. You can you use the the pit of an apricot to make arsenic. I haven't seen that. I don't think they're going to be able to tell you how to make. I mean, you can probably find how to make arsenic on the internet, Dad, but you may not want to get on those lists. <laughs> well, it says it's used for treatment of, uh, for can- people with cancer. Well, anyway, hydrogen cyanide. Yeah. Cyanide. That's what it's, it is. It's not. Okay. It's not arsenic. That's, it's cyanide. That's not arsenic. That's cyanide. But it still it still derives from the pit of an so, apricot. Eat eat the cyanide tablet, or take the pit, and you're dead. <laughs> no, you, know? you have to have a lot of pits <laughs> to well, build up the amount. Double of seven has that cyanide gap, right? Oh yeah. Well, I don't know if it was. I don't know if he had it, but there are several definitely some it. Russian Russian operatives that right that had it in their mouths. Well, I don't have much more about it. I mean, I, yeah. I like it. I mean, a bottle lasts a long time because you don't use that much of of it ever. Yeah. You know, even a nightcap, you know, you've got a little jigger and well, take your sips or you put it in a drink. There's lots of drinks. I mean, you could put it in your coffee in the morning if that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. So let's, let's go to best on plate. What was, in your opinion, the best on my plate? Okay. What is the, the nutty... Nutty cheese. The first cheese we had. Uh, Casaggio. I think that's your best on plate. Okay. Casaggio. Now, the other, you know, the, the straight goat cheese and the humbug, they were really good as well. But I really like the nutty cheese. Yeah. Because it did so much with the drink. Mm-hmm. I think for me it was the... The honey? <laughs> well, it was the Humboldt fog with the honey on it. Oh, okay. I think really... Really kind of took it over because you got a bunch of those, those funky fun sweet sweetness from the food, and then you had the funky fun sweetness from the from the drink too. Okay. All right. What about on your plate? 
Oh, the brie. Yeah, that was that was the highlight. Was the brie? That butteriness just works so well with it. And it really the almonds and the brie and the amaretto went so well together. Yeah, because you got the brie that's kind of like kind of like a well, it's kind of like a goat cheese in a way, and then you had the flavors of the brown sugar and the amaretto itself, and then the almonds. Yep. So they went so well together. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get the blind poured up. All right. All right. So Dad has got me a blind poured up here in a little wonderful Glencairn glass. This liquor is a brown liquor. It It's a liquor, so there's no <laughs> gas in it. <laughs> Better not be. <laughs> you know, slow. Some, all right, legs on it. It smells very woody right off the bat from the nose. Yeah. Smells wood smells quite woody, so there let me know there's a been a good bit of aging happening here. There's some um, a lot of alcohol in it. There's a little bit of like nuttiness. Yeah, we moved up. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> so yours was fourteen. Sixteen. Mine was twenty one. Um I think we're back up to, I didn't check it, but we're back up in the 40s. Yes, we're definitely back up in the 40s. There's a little bit of light white flour. There's some honeyness, some really light honeycomb, really light nuttiness on it. So we'll see what it tastes like. Okay. A lot lighter on the palate than I was expecting based on the, the hotness of it. No, just on the... Just kind of the nose of it. I expected it to let weigh a little bit more. Let me get my mouth back used to 40% alcohol. Okay. There's a light bit of sweetness on this. And I'm getting a little bit more of the roasty, toasty wood on this with a little bit of nuttiness and still some of that light florality. Tech, can you give me one of those uh, rocks glasses behind you, please? I'm having a hard time sniffing this. <laughs> Kind of burning my nostrils when I'm hmm. when I'm going to try and sip a drink out of it. So I don't think it's that hot. Well, it's not that hot. It's just the how it's expressing through the Glencairn glass. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's sweetness on this. Like I said, there's some light nuttiness, a little bit of weird like stoniness that I'm getting on it, and it's a lot more expressive to me out of a regular rocks glass than it is the Glencairn glass. It's not really refined. So that's kind of making me think that it's possibly not a scotch uh, because of the, the wood is extremely prevalent and there's not a whole lot of other things being expressed at the glass. And with this much wood, I'd expect a, it'd be an older scotch, which I'd expect to have a little bit more finesse behind it. When you say finesse, are you meaning smoothness or yeah, exactly it's, what? It's it'd be smooth, smoother. It'd be more congealed. The alcohol wouldn't be as as out front. Okay, it'd still be there, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't express like it has through the Glencairn glass. Yeah, okay. Blooming it, I'm getting a lot more. That alcohol is kind of dissipating, getting yeah. a little bit more expressiveness. From the flavors, still getting not getting a whole whole lot of flavors. Wood is definitely like the 
the aging of this is definitely kind of driving driving up front of this. Well, that's a lot of blue. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm checking. So I, he he says that because I poured a good bit of water in there and actually a little bit of ice. Because I'm wanting to see how it how it changes with the more water in it. Because I've noticed there are some drinks that express more and are a little bit easier to figure out when they have more water in them. So I think this is fudge stickles. What is it not? Well, it's it's brown liquor. Mm-hmm. It's not a bourbon. It's not a rye. I don't believe. I don't think it is. It's a scotch. It's a young scotch or an un, an unaged, dignified scotch. It could be a rum. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm getting enough sweetness on it and getting too much wood. It could be a brandy, but it's, it just doesn't feel like a brandy or a cognac. Kind of stumped on this one. So I think I'm going to go ahead and call this. It's a whiskey. I think it's going to be grain based. I think it's going to be a whiskey. I think it's. You know, it could be Irish whiskey. It's got some of that punk, that pluck that you get with an Irish whiskey. So, you know, I'm going to say this is an Irish whiskey. Are you? Okay. Obviously, it's not an Irish whiskey. Folks. I didn't say that. I'm just saying, is that there, what you're Are gonna, you? I mean, I, is, what that meant was, is that your final answer? I'm going to go ahead and say that this is an Irish whiskey. All right. Yeah. And you'll have to come back next week to find out. And I'm going to have to. No, t- no, 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 no. So next week you're on assignment. Yes, I'll be. And we will not disclose next week what this is. We will disclose it the following week. Why is that? Well, next week you're on assignment. And Joanne and I are going to do spritzers. Oh, so you're going to be next week is a cocktail week. We're we're kind of just <laughs> moving around with That's... our sequence. I mean, you know, it's. We've got more than 100 episodes, because now we can do anything we want to. We could. So next week will be a cocktail week, and like Dad said, I'm actually going to be out for the next three, maybe four weeks. So I'm going to do a Campari spritzer. Okay. And technically, I think Joanne's not really doing a spritzer. She says it is, but it's it's called Chandon Garden is what she said it was. Okay. And she got that at the French Open. Well, it's going to be lots of fun. I'm going to have to tune in to see, just like you guys, to hear mom and dad having their first solo episode. Now that I'm going to be the one traveling for a little bit. And it's going to be a good time. They're going to be, it sounds like they're going to be doing some fun, spritzy, bubbly sorts of cocktails. So, and then in two weeks, you'll come back and find out what this liquor is. Well, we want to thank you guys for being wonderful listeners still with us out there in podcast land. Remember, we're out there on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on TikTok. You can just send us an old-fashioned email, acquiredtastings at gmail.com. Reach out to us. Give us a chat. Let us know what you think. If you like what we're doing, give us a, a like, follow, and a rating on your favorite podcast platforms. Remember, the ratings are one of the things that help us get noticed. If you like what you're doing and you want people to notice, check it out. Please go ahead and on your favorite podcast platform, give us a rating. If you still hadn't celebrated with us, go back to episode 100 and have fun. Yep. We sure did. Yeah, we had a good time. 
So once again, this is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.